Blue Shirts fans. And Madison Street Maniacs. Welcome back to another episode of the Worst Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Breezy, with my co-host, Nick. Nick, say hi. What's going on, everyone? I hope everyone's having a, uh, a decent holiday. And by the time, if you hear this after the holiday, I hope you had had a nice Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate, we celebrate Christmas, so Merry Christmas, but also Happy Holidays, and we got the best birthday present, or birthday present, yeah, we got the best birthday present and Christmas present, sorry, my wife's birthday's in December, it's just, it's my wife's birthday all month, the best (laughs) Christmas present you could possibly ever get, a Rangers win, you love to see it. Do you know what else that we could possibly love? What could it be? The fact that yesterday, last night, for the first time ever in NHL history, there was not one, but there were two Michigans. Oh, man. And for fucking unreal. I'm sure that everybody knows what that is. But um, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the lacrosse goals. You know, they pick the puck up with their stick. and They do the lacrosse thing. We had two Michigans last night. Who were those players? Oh, well, one of them was Trevor Zegris, you know, whatever, it's cool, but the other one was <laughs> motherfucking Connor, motherfucking Bedard, the 18-year-old motherfucking savior of the Chicago motherfucking Blackhawks, baby boy. Um, It's just absolute, it's just absolutely fitting that these two young cats, and like you said earlier, these two studs, Yeah, Tre- Trevor Zegris and Connor Bedard would be the ones making these fucking plays, and that was actually... At my family's house yesterday, getting prepared for Christmas Eve. And, you know, the Ranger game came on, and I was like, I, look, this, these are, this is a family of nerds. I play D&D at their house. I play video games at their house. I bring my son over there, my family over there. Look, the, these is my wife's family. They, she's, like, been around her whole life, you know, doing nerd shit. But they're not, you know, chads. They don't watch any type of sports. So... I didn't want to impose yesterday the, the Christmas Eve Eve. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pull this game up on my phone, and then we can do whatever we want to do. And would you believe... I'm, I'm getting into the reason why I'm bringing this up. But would you believe that when 4.30 rolls around, they're like, oh, we got to put the Rangers game on. We got to put the Rangers game on. The Rangers game's going on at 4.30. I'm like, you guys don't even know who we're playing, but you know that we're playing. That's, that's, <laughs> thank you. But... Because I brought it up because we were, you know, we get the MSG 150 in between intermission, fastest 150 seconds in the Hockey League. And we're going through all the games around the league right now. And then we see the, the fucking Michigan from Bedard. <laughs> and then I was telling one of uh, my wife's cousins, I was like, hey, yeah, that dude right there, 18 fucking years old, bro. Yeah. 18 years old, man. And she was like, wow, what the hell? That's crazy. That's insane. I was like, yeah, it is fucking insane, dude. Did you Crazy. tell him that like Nick is probably geeking out somewhere else in the city right now? No, oh, I told I told my wife about it. I showed her about it. I literally sent it to her as soon as it happened. She was like, hmm. Here's the here's the thing, low key though. Don't let her know that I told you. Live on the podcast, she ain't gonna fucking listen. She ain't <laughs> gonna know I said this shit. No. <laughs> this is between me, you, and everybody who listens to this podcast. Just be, let's all keep it on the down low. You guys gotta promise me. Cause if you go snitching, I ain't telling you guys nothing else. I ain't giving you no more inside information. <laughs> He said, don't tell my wife, please. <laughs> no, she was like, man, kind of trying to be like a little bit of a hater about it. And I was like, hey, you got to remember that Connor Bedard's 18 years old. She's like, yeah, but, but. And I was like, 
Yeah, but I mean, you just gotta look at the stats, right? You look at his stats. You look where he's at, bro. She's like, "Am I supposed to like Connor Bedard because he's on Nick's team?" I said, yes. "No, you're supposed to like Connor Bedard because he is that good, and you gotta." No, you're it. also supposed to like Connor Bedard because he's on Nick's team. That's not that... enough for my wife, huh? That's not enough for my wife. I don't care. That's not enough. She won't I do like it. I like the Rangers because of you and your wife. You could like Connor Bedard because of me. I I get that. That's, I'm gonna. Have I understand that. Over. But the Rangers get the Rangers. It's not like the Rangers aren't giving you every avenue to like them back, right? And I agree with Connor Bedard giving you a fucking every situation to like him back too. But like I said, I said to have have a conversation with her. Like, hey, look, he's fucking good, man. Go look at his stats. He's getting he's getting fucking Calder, man. Like, what what can you say? No, what there's no say? other rookie that's touching his numbers right now. No, I don't know. And then I think by the end of this whole fucking thing, he might be historically the best ever. You never know. I mean, dude, when you got Wayne Gretzky coming out and saying, like, you know, there's no way that I would be able to do what he did in his rookie year. I mean, that's got to say something, right? Like, you, you got, don't hear. You got Wayne Gretzky reaching out to Connor Bedard to be like, hey, dude, you're pretty fucking good in general. Right. That's right. That's something. No, 100%. I mean, dude, he's just... Connor's fucking unreal right now, dude. Uh, he's thir- He's got 30 points in, what, 30 games? Thir- less than 30 games? More than 30 games? Something? Yeah, some shit like that. I saw the stat on... um 33 was, games. Actually, I was actually, you know, scrolling through YouTube. YouTube's now is doing polls. Crazy. Polls? I'm scrolling through that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like in the suggested bar on the side on YouTube on the app, I was just scrolling through and it was like, uh, "Hey, who's going to be the next? Who's going to be the fucking Calder Cup winner?" And it was like Connor Bedard and uh, the other three guys that are not even going to be mentioned because they're not going to fucking win. And then I clicked on it right to vote for him just to see where the voting was. Of course, I'm going to vote for him. I clicked the vote. And it was like 94 percent Connor Bedard. I was like, "All right, cool." Let well, me the keep, it, keep averaging, it rolling. The dude's averaging almost a point a game. You know, you're talking about 33 games played so far. He's got 30 points. If he has one more four-point game, he's going to be averaging a point a game. It's kind of unheard of for a rookie. And we also have to, not unheard of for a rookie, but it's just, it's always, like, eye-catching when it's like, when when you're 18 years old and you're on a shit roster, mind you. Like, he has zero help with the exception of Philip Kurashev and maybe Nick Foligno, Mm -hmm. you know? But and that was that was a let me jump in real quick because that was a good conversation I had with uh my wife yesterday too. Was it was like we're talking about one good player doesn't make a good team, you know? And then she was like, True, she was like, What about uh the other Connor McDavid? And I was like, He's got dry sidle, uh, yeah, he's got dry sidle on his right side, like, and then she was like, Okay, she goes, Like, now she starts to challenge me, right? She goes, All okay. right, bring it about, on, let's do it, yeah. She's like, What about Matthews? And I was like, He's got Neeland, Marner. Nylander. Marner too. Yeah. But the thing is, is these other teams that have these amazing, like best, the best player they have also have someone who's pretty fucking good as well. Right. There's the Shiner. And then there's the next guy. Unfortunately, Chicago has Connor Bedard. And And then it it drops way down, like to be like the next good guy, you know? So you can't do it all on your own. You could make the argument that like Philip Kurashev is, should forever be his line mate. Ryan Donato's having a really good year. Jason Dickinson is having a year to remember. Nick Felino has basically been Connor's hockey dad without the rumors of him fucking his mom. 
Mm. And is that really your dad? Your fucking hockey dad? If he's not fucking your mom, bro? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with yes. Yes, right. that's that a bold statement, Cotman. Let's see if uh, let's see if it fucking works out for him, bro. But <laughs> I don't know. But uh, no, let's never talk like... about someone fucking Connor Bedard's mom again. <laughs> it dies here. It dies this year. We don't bring it into the next year. We don't bring it into 2024. You got fucking what seven more days to say something about it? Yeah, get it out. Um, now. No, but like, um, fuck. What was I gonna say? No, like, are you you know? Okay, cool. So you want to bring up Matthews? Like, I, like we said, he's got Marner. He's got um, Nylander. You know, same thing for McDavid. He's got fucking Drysidle. Um, Sidney Crosby's got the holy, the other two thirds of the holy trinity. You know, every one of those players that have been star studded has that kind of like that X factor next to him, right? Connor Bedard has nobody. Uh, like I said, you can make the argument of Philip Kershev. If Lucas Reichel was playing up to his potential, then you could say, like, okay, Reichel's got. I, I feel like if Lucas Reichel is playing up to his potential, he'd be playing on Bedard's line, and both of them would have the same amount of points, and it'd be in the 60s by now. Like, we, the Hawks, I don't think, would be 100, like, as losing of a team as they are now. That's very fair to say. True. I believe that. I like that. Anyway, but, moving on. Yeah. I uh I wanted to bring something up to you. I, I kind of uh threw it at you a little bit yesterday. So let me let me break this down, right? Okay, so of course the Michigan goal was was absolutely unreal. But here's the here's the bigger problem of last night's Hawks Blues game. The Hawks were 5-2, well, winning 5-2 going into the third period. Actually, mind you, with 10 minutes left, they were up 5-2. Everything was pointing to the Hawks kind of walking with the team. You know, it's a good bounce-back game, uh, losing against Mon- getting pumped 5-2 by Montreal the night before. Um, Arvid Soderblom, who's been having one hell of a rough season so far, you know, it'd be nice for him to have kind of like a dominant win under his belt. Um, within that 10 minutes... The Hawks let five unanswered by and ended up losing seven to five. Now, the question I am here to ask you, Breeze, and if anyone else listening wants to, you know, have their own conversation, hey, yo, feel free, DM us on Instagram, and I really want to know anyone else's thoughts. So DM us on Instagram, the worst hockey podcast. I want to know what people's thoughts are. You are the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. You're up five to two with 10 minutes left. Things start unraveling rather quickly. What do you do? Do you call a timeout to put the momentum yeah. for rest? Do you pull Soderblom and put Mrazek in? What do you do in this situation? You are the coach. It's now five to four. What do you do? Um, that's a great fucking question. I'm glad that you asked that because something that Peter Laviolette, the head coach for the Rangers, has been doing is he'll call a fucking timeout in the second. He'll call a timeout in the third. He'll call a timeout whenever that that you know that moment, that pivotal moment when the fucking it starts to change, and that was that moment for you guys last night when like the you goals could see are, the momentum. Yeah, yes, yes. You know, it usually goes back and forth. You'll see that um, this team had a more dominant first period. This team had a more dominant second period. But when you have like a a dominant first period from Chicago, right? Maybe a back and forth from the second, and then you go into the third. Doing very fairly well, and then the flip just script like the script just flips, and you see that it's going the wrong way. At that moment, you call a timeout, right? Sure, absolutely call a timeout. You are up so many goals. 
it's in the third period. It's time to defend your lead. It's not a two goal lead. It was a three goal lead. You know, like you're you're there. You're you're good to go. Yep. Problem is though, unfortunately, which we will get into today, the fundamental main problem that you have is your entire back end and how hard your defensemen work. They're not working hard enough. I'm sorry to say, it sucks to say these professional guys that do, you know, that do their best day in, day out, they're working hard off the ice. They're not working hard enough on the ice. And the argument can be made like, hey, they're doing their best. Well, your best is just obviously not good enough, right? Something needs to change. The mentality of how you play hockey in Chicago and around the world, wherever you're going to play, needs to fucking change because it's not working, okay? And I think that my when we do this defensive breakdown, which today is going to be a little bit different than last week, we're going to defend or uh, we're going to continue to talk about our um, defensemen and give them their, their ratings like we did last week. But we're going to do something a little bit different. And I'll walk everybody who's listening through that, what that looks like when we get to that point. <laughs> yeah, but, you had to um, walk me through that one yesterday. Yeah, um, I, I really, re- like I said, if you guys had a strong defensive core that was working hard, because look, we, we win games that we shouldn't. We win games that we shouldn't, and it used to only be because of Igor literally playing lights out. That was why we won so many games, because Igor would just play lights out, lights out, lights out, you know, Scorpion saves, uh, high blockers stops, double rebound blocks, you know, like flying Igor Vs, all this stuff that made it like, wow, this dude's playing lights out to the point the other team just starts getting frustrated. And then, you know, you start cherry picking the other way and we'll look for a breakaway. And eventually you go in because the other goalie is just sitting there cold because he's not getting no shots on him. Right. But now it's a complete effort from the defense that says like, yeah, we won last night against Buffalo. You think, oh, well, Buffalo is not the, the best team, right? You know, they, they, you should win. No, they've beat Boston. They had a number earlier this year. They beat um they beat um, VGK. Like they're they're a team that says, "Hey, if we want to win, we can't win." So uh, oh, again, it's like the, so I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, it's like what we talked about a couple nights ago when the Hawks beat the Abs three to two. You know, we were like, you and I both were sitting there like, "Well, this isn't supposed to happen. There's no way we're supposed yeah. to outplay the Abs right now." And then we get pumped five two against Montreal on a two day break. So it's like. I, I really sometimes I hate hockey <laughs> because I'm sitting there watching. Sure. I'm like, there's no reason like we should not have won against Colorado, but we definitely should have beat Montreal. Well, I mean, the day before we lost to the Oilers, which is an up and down thing, right? They, they haven't been that great this year, but also they're on their, their, their like comeback tour right now. Right. But we didn't end up losing by one goal. We were down three. And then we brought it back, which I liked. I, if, if you're going to lose, make it close, right? Make it competitive. Sure. 100%. But again, uh, the Oilers don't have our number. They're not a better They're not a better team with depth. They have the best player in the world playing on their team. Okay, that's fine. But we have probably the best team in the world spread out across four lines, plus defense, plus goalies, and a backup. It'd be hard. You'd be hard-pressed to find another team that has the depth that New York has. So... Unfortunately, we lost to the Oilers, but you can't win every game, right? Shit right. happens. It matters how you respond. It matters how you you come back the next game. It matters what you do in the next, you know, three periods in the next game. It it, it happens. Unfortunately, the problem is is that you have some players on Chicago that are coming to win, but it also seems like 
in the organization on the back end, you know, maybe maybe this is it, maybe this isn't it. I don't know. Maybe they're taking for another pick and then they're going to try to go for it next year. I don't know what their fucking plans are back there. But again, the defense is is the looming issue here that needs to be addressed. And also, you know, your coach has got to put a fire in people's asses. That I, it, if you respect your coach and he's working for you, you're going to work for him. And then wins just stack up. It's nothing you can do about it. They just happen. No, yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much. So what you're saying is, um, if you are if you're the coach of the Blackhawks. When in five two, you're just you're calling all your timeouts. This is what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm calling my timeouts when I need them. I'm not waiting till the last three minutes so that we can have a timeout that ready to pull our goalie to go six on five. You know, right. until we inevitably get scored on an empty net. If you need it at the second period, if you need it 15 minutes into the first, if you need it like wherever you need it, that's the number. Peter Lavilla will call it whenever it's needed. You don't see that very often. I don't Sometimes, know why. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting you off, bro. I'm sorry. But... No, it's all right, man. It's Christmas. I'll let it slide. Oh, shut up. Um, I don't. I don't know why Luke Richardson didn't. Um, me personally, I would have. I'd have called a timeout when it was five four. Um, I'm either calling a timeout when it's five four, or I'm pulling. I'm pulling Soderblom and I'm putting Mrazek in. Like, yeah, Mrazek might be cold, but he's he's far more the dynamic goalie. And in and a goalie that I trust in in net more than more than Soderblom for sure. Um, there there is a there is across the league. Uh, Gerard Gallant did it. They have this notion that this game is going to go the way that it goes, and there's nothing we can do to change it. When the entire mentality of New York for the last three seasons has been no quit. You can be down four goals. You can be down. You can be against the best team in you in the division in the league. Whoever it is, right. The mentality is no, don't quit. Until the third period buzzer goes, you could win this game. Anything can happen. And Peter Laviolette really enforces that with the fact that he will call a, a timeout in the second period. He will call, he will call a timeout five minutes in the second period and say, hey, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Calm this it, shit down. Settle breath. it down. Settle your yeah. nerves. What are we doing? Catch your breath. Settle your nerves. It's fine. You know, we're going to call this timeout. You know, just chill the fuck out. Play the game you know how to play. You know, and that's like one thing that I wish the Hawks would would encompass. And I know it's a it's the really the first year in a rebuilding year. Um, you know, you got your franchise cornerstone. Now we need to start building around him. We have a ton, ton of pieces in the organization that are still yet to even grace the AHL roster. You know, you have like, um, oh fuck me, I can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Oliver Moore, if if I remember correctly. But he's in he's playing college hockey right now, and he is tearing it up for I think it's Michigan. And you know, you still have him. You have Frank Nazar who hasn't played yet. Uh, you have Jared Tenorti, who's still kind of coming into his own as a as a defenseman. Like you have a lot of young pieces. Like you know, you still have Lucas Reichel who has not found his game, and admittedly has really not lived up to his potential this year and and you know looking at training camp and and watching him watching him in training camp watching him in preseason watching him at the tail end of last year i was thinking like fuck dude this guy's gonna be a first liner and then as soon as we found out that that we that the hawks were getting the first overall pick i was like fuck dude i was like there's bedard you're gonna put reichel on his wing you're gonna you know 
you're going to, you know, either sign a quality centerman and put just keep Bedard on a wing and then put that centerman in between Reichel and Bedard. And, you know, this is like your real kids line right here. And it's going to be disgusting. You know, like I said at, at the beginning of the season, I was like, the, this Hawks team has has the that has the ability to shock a lot of people. And, and for some reason, that that no quit mentality isn't there yet. You know, I mean, granted, every I would say most 90 percent of the losses that we have are close losses. Right. The ones that we battled back, lost by one goal, you know, blew a lead here and there, but lost by no more than like two goals. Right. And like that's been like almost 90 percent of the losses. You know, if you're going to lose, make it close. If you're going to win, stomp other throats. That's kind of like the, sure. the thought process I have on that. Yeah, again, that mentality is earned, right? I, the Rangers yeah. earned that mentality uh, that season they went to the Eastern Conference Finals because, look, I, I'm a fan of New York, okay? I'm an absolute you fan are? of New York. But the, the problem, yeah, I am. The problem is, though, as of course, I'm going to think with my biasness that Rangers aren't respected. But you got to look at historically for the last few years, right? Team's not making it very far. Team is literally only being carried by Henrik Lundqvist. That can only take you so far, right? And there is no respect for New York before that season, okay? Now, across the league, even when they're talking on ESPN, even when they're talking on the NHL Hockey Night shit that they do all the time, now you'll see respect on their name. Now you'll see respect on Artemi's name. Now you'll see respect on Igor's name. But if you watch that season where we made it that far and Igor was playing lights-out legendary shit that he was doing, right? There was no respect on their name. Shit was talked all fucking year. Nobody gave the Rangers even an inkling that they'll do anything. Now, of course, they lost to Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay was a much better team. It's just they were they were a dynasty team. They were just a team we could not beat. We had no chance to. And we made it as far as we could, just like Florida did, right? On sure willpower and just having a team rally together and having a fucking awesome goalie take you most of the way. So now recently... The no quit, like I said, has been earned through them knowing that, hey, we're a lot better than people think we are. And now you'd be hard-pressed to think that any of the Rangers on their team are not good to exceptional, right? We have players like Jacob Trubert leading hits in the league. I think he's second now. And uh, block shots, I think he's second in the league um, with that. Vinny Trocek is number one in the league with face-offs. Like, you know, I think he just dropped a second. Like, you have these statistics that are Rangers roster guys that are statistically doing better than everyone else in the league, right? Igor's numbers aren't there, right? But he's you can tell in the games recently he's on his comeback tour. And guess what? Someone who has his back? The Jonathan Quick of old, right? So right. it is it is hard to not be jazzed up when you're on this New York Rangers roster. And it's earned over seasons. Again, Chicago will get there, but it's almost like they're a new team. It's almost like they're a new franchise. Everything has to be relearned. Everything has to start from ground zero. Yeah, I mean, I've told you that. I, I, I've said that on on the pod a handful of times. Like, this is like, you have to, like, treat this team, this Blackhawks team, as, like, a brand new franchise almost because everyone is new, you know? not may not be new to, to the NHL, but new, definitely new to this team. You know, you, you got a brand new GM, a brand new head coach. You have a brand new like i said you have a brand new fucking team you have to treat this you can't sit there and be like well this team you know was a dynasty in the 2010s like okay was like you need to stop living about that you need to stop drooling for the fact that you know kane is you know starting to play like old kane in detroit 
you know, to bring it playing like bring it like to bring it in, in Detroit. And, um, you know, just, you gotta, you gotta kind of ride out the rebuild, you know, and maybe it goes from a rebuild to a retool, but it all solely depends on the free agency market at the end of this year, how much money there is to spend the draft. Like if you lose enough games where you, you know, have a high chance of maybe getting the number one pick back to back years, you know, I don't, I, I don't I don't really know what goes I, right now. I'm just watching hockey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, every loss stings a little harder, but, you know, you can't sit there and say, like, you know, you, this isn't the team from 2015 where it's like you're you're beating teams that you need to beat. You know, you're beating bad teams and you're beating good teams and there may be a loss here and there, but like it's not, you know, detrimental to see that loss. You know, now it's kind of like you don't you never want to cheer for a loss. But it doesn't hurt as bad. But it sometimes, but it sometimes it fucking sucks. When like when you're playing a team that you know that you should beat, and it's like, oh motherfucker, dude, that shit sucks. Like that sucks to see. Or you beat a team that you shouldn't beat, like like beating the Abs. You know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, you beat a very heavily, a very heavy Stanley Cup contender. You know, you swept the season series against the Leafs. Is there a possibility if you just string a string together a bunch of streaks of games that you maybe could go on a really random run? But then that kind of fucks up the trajectory of of um of the rebuild. You know what I mean? Like now you got to rely on free agents and, you know, now you got to rely on them staying healthy. Right. Because I feel like this season would go a hell of a lot differently if there wasn't so many injury bugs. You know, if Taylor Hall didn't have season ending surgery I, I really feel like he would have came back like he would have like a really high point total right now I, I don't know maybe that's just me dreaming or something but you know even with with Taylor Hall going down there's a lot of guys that stepped up um you know I was like really bummed that Joey Anderson got sent down because he was starting to come into his game once Philip Kurashev came back uh Tenorti came back you know you got a lot of a lot of guys that went down with injuries and and you know obviously had to call up from Rockford but you know J- Joey Anderson was one of those I was just like man I kind of hope he stays cuz he he's like that little fire plug you know what I mean and Ryan Donato Ryan Donato was another one that I'm just like I am enjoying watching him every time he steps on the ice Jason Dickinson I hope they sign him for a fucking extension and put him on either the first or second line with Bedard cuz he is lighting it up as a third fourth liner dude and it's it's really fucking cool to see um but yeah, so anyway, I could talk about um, this shit. I yeah, could talk about no. the possibilities of a rebuild and what needs to happen for the Hawks to to be dominant again. But that would be the entire episode without you sure. talking. So, so I uh, th- that leads me to this, right? So we have the upgrade downgrade stay the same, and I wanted to save the defenseman for this specific reason because the, the looming problem in Chicago is is their back end, okay? Uh, you can produce. Cool. That's great. But you've got to defend against the other teams that can produce. Yep. You've got to defend against the other teams that are having a hot night. So we're going to work this out together. We're going to walk through it. And we are going to live in a Marvel what-if universe where the entire back end for both teams switch. So the New York Rangers defense and goalies switch over to Chicago. And the Chicago's defense and goalies switch over to New York. And we will break down what that looks like together. So firstly, what I'm going to do is talk about my defense and my pairings. Just to kind of set the stage so I can give my upgrade, downgrade, or stay the same. I'll kick it over to you. 
and then we'll work backwards together. So I'll start with my defensive pairings. Honorable mentions, guys who are not actively in our lineup right now, we have probably four or five solid D-man that are in Hartford right now in our AHL affiliate team that we could pull up at any time that we need. The two that I'm going to talk about is one, Ben Harper. He's a big six foot five behemoth like corn fed motherfucker. It's fun it's funny because I actually have a that shirt that I have that says um a fight night at the garden and it's got Ben Harper actually yeah. beating the dog shit out of Corey Perry when he was on fucking Tampa Bay. And he's fucking just rocking his shit like behind the net. He beats the shit out of him. It's hilarious. Um I don't know if you've seen that shirt, but I'll show it next time I see you. And um No, yeah, you showed it to me and I've told you like I, I wish that I had that shirt. <laughs> I, I have awesome. a, not to to fucking uh, change the subject real quick, but I I have this shirt from this company called Fourth Line Goon, um, and this uh, it's it's a black and white picture of Ryan Reeves laying out Rangers McQuaid, and I, I I don't know why, but that shirt it just goes so motherfucking hard. It's Ryan Reeves as a Golden Knight, and he's just he laid the fucking boom. I think was what's his name Dougie McQuaid or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, laid the fucking boom on him. And I don't know why, but I saw that shirt and I was like, look, I'm not really even really like a Golden Knights fan, but I was like, I need to have that fucking shirt. So I've seen your fight night Hilarious. at the Garden one and I was like, yeah. dude, I need it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And then another honorable mention will be Zach Jones. He is number six for the Rangers. He plays his, his style of play is a lot like Jacob Truba. Jacob Truba has a lot more block shots. He has a better hockey sense because he's a veteran, right? He's he's the captain of the Rangers. He knows what he needs to do. The thing that uh, Jones will do is he will let it fire from the blue line. He does not care, and he'll just shoot when he can and get the puck to the net, which I love. But the guy is five foot eleven, one hundred and seventy five pounds. You know, he's a small dude for a defenseman. He gets pushed around a lot, so he's always like a healthy scratch. He's in the lineup as our seventh defenseman. But um, because we've had the injury bug and everybody's been going through it, so we have him around. But he's a great, a great like solid defenseman that you need if if you need someone else to help fill up the lineup. But right. those are the honorable mentions. Again, uh, New York's affiliate team is is just chock full of of talent up and down from like forwards to defense to goalies. But right now, <clears throat> our defensive pairings right now I think have, are the strong. And this this might be a bold statement, right? This is the this is the strongest three pairings of defensemen that I have ever actively seen in my entire life. Because we have six really, really, really strong guys. So our first pairing is Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. Okay, Adam Fox is a top ten defenseman in this league. It's no question. Everybody knows that. Since last year, here's my thing. Um, upgrade, downgrade stayed the same. I say stay the same. I don't think Adam Fox upgraded from last year. I think that Adam Fox is doing what Adam Fox always has done. And he's going to continue to do that forever. I don't think it's called an upgrade because not to say that he can't. The only thing that Adam Fox could do is contribute more on the points on the, on the board, like with his points, but he's always setting up plays with apples. I guess he could get more goals technically, but what he does with the puck and the, the, the defense that he has and, and just the big brain plays that he makes Again, you don't need any more from Adam Fox. If Adam Fox never got any better right now, stayed the same for the next 10 years, he'd still be a top 10 defenseman in this league, and no one would be able to even argue that. So his, But his line mate, Ryan Lindgren, is one of the hardest working defensemen in the National Hockey League. The dude uses his body as a shield. He's always getting banged up. He's taking pucks to the face, right? 
He's ready to fight if he needs to. He's always in a scramble. He's He blocks shots. He's always getting hurt because he's always putting himself in danger, but always comes back. He's that great. He, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not a goon like Ryan Reeves or Maroon, right? But he doesn't let any of that bother him. He's the guy who does not even think for a second to block a, a puck with his face if it means not letting it get back to Shesty, if it means getting that away. And you can tell, by the way, that Igor is – is he talks about Ryan Lindgren. He always teases him and stuff that they're good, good friends because he realizes how much work that Lindgren does in front of him. He, he appreciates that. That's a big thing. Yeah. Your goalie appreciates your defense and your team, but Igor Shesterkin, an arguable top five goalie appreciates Ryan Lindgren's play because he knows how much it helps him be who he is. I think that says something about a defenseman. If, if that is what Igor Shesterkin feels right. I think his opinion is probably better than ours. But anyway, I think he's an upgrade. I think he's upgraded since last year. I think that he keeps continuing to do more and more. He keeps continuing to block shots and get in those those gritty situations. And he fucking scored a goal last night. Defenseman scored a goal last night. It's not unheard of to think that some of these guys will score some goals. And it's getting to that point where we're thinking that, yeah, they might just start scoring more because they just let it fly and they don't give a fuck. And I love that. My second defense pairing is... Probably our strongest defense pairing, in my opinion, it's Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. Again, Jacob Truba is the captain of the New York Rangers. He leads it, he leads our team at least in block shots. He he's always laying hits. You know about the Troop Troop Trooper train. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> people have gotten tickets and they have taken that ride. He's not afraid to fight when needed. He is not afraid to rally his team when needed. He is not afraid to do what a captain should do. And you can say all the things you want to say about Jacob Truba, but he is a fucking class act of a guy. I think he's an upgrade because since he's become captain, he's really said, you know what? This means more than anything I've ever done in my hockey career. I have to be the pillar of New York that says, look, I will stand by all the things that I do. I will stand by all the things that I say. And off the ice, the dude does a lot of things for charity. This is not anything to do with his upgrade, but I think he's an upgrade because the way he leads himself. And dude, it's undeniable with this dude's block shots. If, if for any reason, okay, I'm stroking the dude off. Of course, I love him. I love that fucking man. But block shots speak for itself. That's what he needs to do. He's a defenseman. Fuck the captaincy. Fuck all the other things that he does. He blocks shots. That's just what he does. So I think he's an absolute upgrade. Keandre Miller is a young defenseman. I think he's 22 years old. He's fucking huge. He's probably 6'4", 6'5". The dude is literally fastest. He's so big, right? A lot of things that happen, I'll set the stage for you on a lot of the Keandre Miller plays because it happens one of two ways. Either pucks get deep going the other way, they catch us in a breakaway, and Keandre Miller has to take two strides to catch up to whoever he's chasing because he's so fucking large and so strong. He'll take two strides, and he's on that guy and breaks up a, a, a breakaway of a two-on-one. He makes it a two-on-two or whatever he needs to do. Always will do a sliding save. Doesn't care about getting in the mix. Also, when we're on the rush entering in the offensive zone trying to score, Keandre Miller does not hesitate to take his role as defenseman to the net, skate in, get the puck deep, and then rotate back out to defense, which a lot of defensemen don't do. A lot of defensemen like to hang back and defend, which is what they're supposed to do, right? But Keandre Miller walks the line of 
puck checking in the neutral ice to stop that puck getting back to defend, but also when there's open ice, taking that puck all the way home to give his team a chance to enter the zone and just establish that presence, and then he'll rotate back because he's so fucking big. It takes him two strides, and he's in any zone that he wants to be in. So I think he's an upgrade. He keeps getting better. Um, His high chances for scoring are always there, and he is just a young guy. Like He hasn't even hit his ceiling yet, in my opinion. I think that he's going to get even better. Um, my third pairing is Braden Schneider and Eric Gustafson. Braden Schneider is a hard-nosed hockey kid. Again, young guy. He came up two seasons, three seasons ago, scored on his first game as a Ranger, and never went back down to Hartford. He is what they call baby Truba. His style is a lot like Jacob Truba's, and he is not, he's not going to hesitate to drop gloves with anybody. And the dude can fight. <laughs> Honestly, this young kid can <laughs> fight. He, I, I love a player. If you need, Ken, we'll get into it when we get over to Chicago's, when we flop and start talking about Chicago pairing with Rangers defensemen. But, dude, 50% of the lines that we have in New York, okay, are gritty, hard-nosed, old-school hockey players that will drop the gloves with anyone if needed. Again, the hockey's not about fighting, but it's always been a huge point it's always been there it's always been something looming like if you do something we don't like we will fire back with that right so the rangers have 50 percent of their defensemen will do that and the other 50 percent have hockey iq that's over 200 so that's what my point is is like they're so we are so strong when it comes to that and then you know who our forwards are you know what the rest of our team looks like right so it's like I may be just like, oh, you're just stroking the Rangers. Yeah, I'm stroking the Rangers because if you break these things down on a molecular level, you see there is magic here. There are things that are happening that just attribute to wins. And then the other pairing for that is Eric Gustafson. Black came Hawk up legend Eric Gustafson, by the way. Came up over to the Rangers this year and has just been keeping keeping in the lineup. There's no way you can take Gustafson out right now. The things he does, he he contributed a lot early on the point spread. He's still contributing a lot defensively. He makes errors. But I mean, when you're playing on a, uh, when not, you're under a microscope on the New York Rangers, right? And the other two lines have Adam, one has Adam Fox, the other has Jacob Trouber and Keandre Miller. You're going to see errors a lot more because I, I always said it to my dad, like people stroke Adam Fox, like he's the best player in the world, right? But when you watch other defensemen, Adam Fox might make a mistake three out of every 10 plays, right? Every 10 times that he could do something good, he makes a mistake three times. But a lot of defensemen make a mistake, you know, four to five times out of that 10, a lot more often. And maybe it's just an error of which way he went around the boards. Maybe it's just an error of who he checked. Maybe it's just an error of how he dumped the puck, right? But when you start comparing people to Adam Fox, Adam Fox does make mistakes, but he also, like, spearheads plays a lot more than that. So I'm going to give Eric Gustafson a pass. I know I'm going to say that Braden Schneider is an upgrade just because he's still here doing what he needs to do. And I'm going to say Eric Gustafson gets no rating right now because he wasn't here last year. But I think that's a solid six. That is a solid six three-line defenseman pairings. If I've ever seen one, it's the best the Rangers have ever had that I can remember as a conscious adult. All right. And that was your that was all your defense? Yep, just those three lines are the only ones that matter. Like I said, the other honorable mentions of those guys, I'm not going to talk about them. They only come up when needed. That's our solid six. That's who's going to be there if we make it into a Stanley Cup run. Those are the guys that are going to be there defending us. And then right. our goalies, which I think we don't even need to 
to really get into. Everybody knows about Jonathan Quick. Everybody knows about Igor Sturkin. Who? Yeah, exactly. And then we got Louis Deming in, in Hartford as our third, right? Uh, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, it must be nice to have quality goaltending that you don't have to worry about every night. That's all the Rangers have ever had consistently forever anyway. So I've been spoiled. That's Always. solid. I don't yeah. know how it gets to that point. I don't know who the fuck is doing this. I don't know like what fucking one-eyed willy curse that we fucking got into that says your team's going to struggle, but goddamn, when you're going to have a goalie, it's just how it's always been in New York. Yeah, not, it's, it's a lot like the Packers where they had like almost 30 years of dominance in the quarterback position, but really just two rings to show for it. So, yeah, it's around the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um. All right, so here's the problem. Luke Richardson loves throwing the blender on and changing up everything, either in-game or fucking 20 minutes before the game. So the only thing that I have to be able to go on, and especially because I didn't watch the game last night because I had a family Christmas event to go to. So I'm taking this straight from Ben Pope, who's a writer for the Blackhawks. Um, I'll give you my top six. I don't really have any honorable mentions because all the honorable mentions are already in Chicago. <laughs> So start uh, first D pairing is Isaac Phillips and Connor Murphy. Isaac Phillips, here's here's my, I guess I, I I wouldn't really say an issue with Isaac Phillips, but um he has only had three years as an NHLer, and those aren't even complete years. Like his his rookie year was twenty one, uh twenty twenty one twenty twenty two where he only played four games. Uh, 2023, 2022 to 2023, he played 16 games. 2023 to 2024, this year, he's only played 17 games. Um, so for a total of 37 NHL games under his belt and 10 points, one goal, nine assists. So from what I have seen just watching the games, he is, he's getting there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily think he's an upgrade. Uh, it's too soon to tell if he's a downgrade, but, um, I think he's I think he's on track to be like kind of along the same lines as like a Brent Seabrook who can be a goal scorer, definitely a points getter and can lay the boom when you need to. Uh, uh, he is a pretty big dude, 6'3", 205. Um, I feel like he's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good first line or uh, first line defense. So I'm I'm not too upset about him. Next one is Connor Murphy, who honestly, I, I will say I've been I've been uh, up and down on him. Uh, however, this year, he's really kind of come into his own. And I, I mean, I think 33 games played. He's had he has four points, but it's the things that he does that don't get on a score sheet that really matter to me the most um, as far as, you know, the finishing your checks and getting in front of block shots. Like I'm or getting in front of shots to block them. I, I like Connor Murphy. In my opinion, I feel like after this year, he might get the, the captaincy. It's either going to be between him and Felino. Uh, my only problem with giving it to Felino is that he's got one more year left on a contract and he is kind of, he's in his mid to late thirties. So it's like, how much longer can you really give it? Um, uh, Connor Murphy is the most tenured Blackhawk. Uh, he's been there since 2014. So yeah, kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, kind of like, we got to give it to the young kid, right? Um, six, four, two, 12. He's got a decent, he's got a nice slap shot. Um, 
you know, he's he's just more about setting up a play more than he is about getting points, and that's what I like the most about him. Uh, this is going to be abysmal. Uh, so your second line D pairing is going to be uh, Jared Tenorti and uh, Louis Crevier. So Jared Tenorti, another kind of a Rockford guy. He he's not afraid to really lay the fucking hammer down. And that's what I like. I, I really do like that about him because, as, as you were saying, like, you know, I, the, the fighting isn't exactly 100% part of the game, but when it has to happen, it's, it's going to happen. I would love to have Jared Tenorti go to bat more than I would Mackenzie Entwistle. So I'm, I'm a big fan of him. He's, very, he's a very uh, physically dominant player more than he is like a, uh, like a goal scorer, right? Or to set up points or anything like that. Louis sure. Crevier is a rookie. He's only played for five, five games. There's really not much to say about him. Um, he is starting to get there. He's fucking six seven. So you got that big presence on your second line. So you know you kind of ride with that. He is kind of coming up into his own a little bit. Uh, like I said, we only had a small sample size of seeing him. But if the sample size is anything, that's going to be like full-blown 82 games played, then I think you kind of got a steal, to be honest with you. Um, and lastly, you have Kevin Korchinski and Nikita Zaitsev. Kevin Korchinski, he's a rookie. He was drafted the same time as Connor Bedard. Um, I feel like he's really, he's done well as far as, as being a defenseman for an NHL team and not in Rockford. Um, he's only 19 years old, so he's got a lot of time to grow. Um, he he's done well enough to be promoted to the power play one. So that should tell you pretty much everything you need to know about Kevin Korchinski. Um, he's good. He did just take an extended break due to the loss of a family member. Uh, but he, I, I really feel like he's going to be along the lines of like a Duncan Keith, um, just a little bit more, a little bit more um, agility. Uh, he's got some wheels on him, which is nice when he needs to come up in a rush. Um, He's got a nasty, nasty um, slap pass that just seems to find the tape every single time. Uh, he can really squeeze that or uh, thread the needle. It's nice. Um, he's got, let me see what his uh, points are because I just feel like it, it almost looks like every every time that there's like either a power play goal or a Connor Bedard goal, he's got a point. So right now he's sitting at seven points, two goals, five assists in 27 games played. So he's on track. He's on track to be a pretty decent defenseman. I have high hopes for him. Um, like I said, I can't really tell. I can't really tell you if it's going to be an upgrade or a downgrade. Um, there's just not enough tape in order for me to say that he's going to be an, uh, that he's an upgrade or a downgrade. I will say, though, on a struggling defensive core, definitely an upgrade. Uh, his pairing is with Nikita Zaitsev, um, kind of a journeyman's been around since 2016. He's got, he had, uh, stints in Toronto, Ottawa, and Chicago. Um, this year so far, he's got one goal, four assists, and one own goal. Um, I just felt like that was really funny to mention. Um, so he's sitting <laughs> around five points right now. I don't know really what to say if I want to call him an upgrade or a downgrade. Um. He has potential to be an upgrade, but he has a lot of potential to be a downgrade. 
I need to see how this year plays out before I can give that like an actual grading system. Um, but he's been halfway decent so far. He's he makes kind of like rookie mistakes that you would see, like turnovers in the neutral zone, turnovers in the offensive zone, trying to break out. Um, not really a hundred percent of what I would expect your third line to be, but also kind of on point. Does this make any sense? Like you don't want him to be like you 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 you're looking at him and be like, man. I didn't expect this from a third liner, but then you look at him again and be like, okay, I kind of did expect it from a third liner. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's kind of how I felt about, um, I, I didn't give him as much flack as the entire rest of the uh, Rangers, like organization everywhere did, but you know, Blake Wheeler, you, you expect a captain for, you know, Winnipeg to come in and play hard and, and he did play hard, but you know, they expected a little bit more from him. And now more recently he's contributing on, on the points, in the points department, but you, ex- you just expect the fact that he's been in the league is enough to make him do things. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work cause it's not jiving. I'd say in the case of Wheeler, this is off topic, but in the case of Wheeler, he's found his spot. He's found it on the top three with Mika and Kreider. And that's where he likes to live because of the style that he plays is not a risky style. He controls the puck and gets it where it needs to go. So he's found his place. And, you know, those journeyman guys that have been around, and, and in Wheeler's case, veteran guys that have been around, those guys, it's hard for them to switch off what they used to be, I would say. he It's very humbling to be a captain for another team, come in and just be a guy on the Rangers, right? He worked his way up into the top three, which he earned, which he you would assume that's where he would be. But I think it was a little bit of slower ro- road than most people thought. But you never know with a journeyman slash veteran player where they're going to be because they might be stuck in the organization they were at and they have to prove themselves in the next place. Or in Wheeler's case, it takes them a little bit to get going but have no problem switching it off and being like, all right, cool, that was great that I was a captain over there, but I'm a ranger now and I have to be a ranger here, which means I'm going to be a, th- uh, a, a third spot in, a, in, a, in the top six, right? Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I, I'm sitting with – that's honestly exactly where I'm sitting with Zaitsev. Where it's kind of like you've been around since 2016. You should like these kind of bad habits should be eradicated by now. Or if they're not eradicated, that's like kind of like little to none. You know what I mean? Um, I think a lot of the struggles are coming from the Blackhawks. I mean, from everything from forward one to defense six. You know what I mean? So I think a, a lot of these problems are coming from the fact that not, not every game has the same line, you know? And, and like what you and I were talking about yesterday at the gym was, you know, the, the Rangers have, you know, your top six is at least your, 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 your top six are, are set, right? You're that's, there's no wavering that line. You're not changing that up. There's chemistry yeah, no. between the top six bottom six can be interchangeable, but they don't, they don't really move, right? So your entire forward core kind of stays the same. The problem is, is with the Blackhawks, we're still trying to find that jive. We're still trying to find that energy. We're still trying to find that chemistry where it's every game is a different line combination to see what would stick and what produces, what does this, what does that. And so it's so hard to kind of gain that chemistry with your line mates if you don't know who you're playing with the next game. Sure. And, and another another thing I'll add to that, too, is that we it, it's it goes and I know that you didn't mean like that's it, but it goes deeper than that for anyone who's listening that doesn't understand. Not only do the Rangers have the top six set, 
their entire top 12, which is their whole forwards lines and defensive pairings. We know who's going to play. There's nothing that's going to change at this point unless it's injuries or moving a guy up from the fourth to play on the third, which doesn't happen anymore because, like I said, our line is set. We are actually the team that plays our fourth line against your best line, not because that line scores, but because that line defends so well. In the Rangers organization, line one doesn't mean the best, and line four doesn't mean the worst. Line one means, okay, Krabanajad, Mika Mika Zabanajad and Chris Kreider because they do what they do, right? Well, the second line has Artemi Panarin on it, right? The third line has two guys from Hartford that are not afraid to let it fly and run around and just do crazy shit on the ice. And the fourth line has Barkley Goudreau and Jimmy Vesey who are defenders. And right. they, they will just defend, you know what I'm saying? So our, it's a different in the Rangers organization because our entire lineup is set. And line four doesn't mean bad, and line one means the best. It's just how we've worked our lines out to play best with each other, and they just have to be numbered because that's just how they do it in the NHL, right? Line one, line four. So again, I think that's part of part of what makes the Rangers so great if we want to take the defense out is that our lines are set because of what they do not because of how good they are. It doesn't go best players at the top, worst players at the bottom. The players on the bottom just have a different skill set. They don't score as much, but they defend much better than Kreider and Mika do because Mika and Kreider like to get deep and do their thing. And, you know, Barclay Goudreau and Jimmy Vesey like to defend and stop shots and get in the mix with Tyler Pitlick, and that's just how it goes, right? So, right. again, it's, it, it, is, it sucks when you're not set like that, but, again, that's what brings us to the question of the day. If the Rangers' defense including their goalies, and Chicago's defense, including their goalies, switched. How different would things be? And again, the jiving is also because of the, the forwards as well. But here's, here's what I'm proposing to you, right? So I would say it's pretty safe to say that line one for Chicago is always going to be probably Nick Foligno, Connor Bedard, and, and Kurashev, right? No, I mean, that's, no that's, that's not true. That's not true at all because fucking Ryan Donato was playing on the first line 20 minutes before the fucking game started yesterday. While in warm-ups, Nick Foligno and Philip Kurashev were on the first line. So, no. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is the blender so there's an even. There's an even deeper fucking issue here that we that needs to be talked about then. Well, yeah, and it's it's what I said. Like there's there's there, there's so oh my god, I can't fucking talk. They're still trying to find the chemistry between your entire 12 players on your forward core. They're still trying to find what combination works and what's going to produce. They don't know that yet because everyone is literally brand fucking new. And so you know, the only one for sure certain thing is that Connor Bedard is going to play on the number on the first line. That's it. That is your only for sure thing. Whether it's Felino and Donato, whether it's Felino and Kurashev, Donato and Kurashev, Dickinson and fucking um, Joey Anderson, whatever. It's going to fucking change every night. Like that's what I was telling you yesterday because I didn't, or I was, I was telling you today why I didn't uh, when I didn't watch the Blues game yesterday. That I didn't know what what the lines were, and so when I looked at Ben Pope, uh, Ben Pope's recent or the, the his his tweet before the game, this is literally the first chunk of wording, dude. Blackhawks lines and warm up versus Blues, with the caveat that Richardson will said that he will ch- scramble these in game. So there is nothing that remains like like for sure for certain of what your forwards are going to look like day in day out this 
the top line last night was Felino, Bedard, and Kurashev. Second line was Bolivier, Dickinson, and Radish. Donato, Entwistle, Blackwell, and Reichel, Gutman, and Reese Johnson. Luke Reichel against fucking Colorado was playing on the first line with Bedard two games ago, three games ago. And now he's a fourth liner. You know what I mean? Ryan Donato, who was in in warmups, was a fucking third liner, was playing on the first line with Bedard last night. And this is the same lineup that played against the fucking Blues last night. So there is nothing on it that that is showing that 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 these lines are set. Like I said, the only thing for sure that is absolutely certain is that Bedard is playing on the first line, and that's it. That that pairing that you just gave me, those four lines, is I in my opinion, that's how it has to be. Felino, Bedard, Kurashev have to play together, and you got to give them time to jive. You you have to. I don't give a fuck what your bottom nine looks like, right? I I don't, I don't care. But you got to give Felino, Bedard, and Kurashev a chance to play. That's what has to happen. Um, you're not doing your coach, your staffing is not doing anyone a service by scrambling it up so much. It's not working. You have to give these guys a chance to fucking work together. And I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> like I didn't oh, realize yeah, it was that dude. crazy. Yeah, it's every game is something fucking different. If I had time to to pull up Montreal, the the line, the the roster, fucking god damn it, dude, the lines against. Montreal, they'd be completely different than what was put on the ice last night. Completely okay. different. Like I said, dude, Lucas Reichel was a first liner against Colorado. He was on the fourth line yesterday. Let, like, let's, let's play it this way, okay? Let's pretend that Felino, Bedard, Kershev play together all the time. Let's lock that line in as line one, okay? And That's I what love we're going to do. I, real quick, I'm sorry, but I love that, that that is the first line. You have the veteran presence, you have your 18-year-old superstar, and then you have a guy who is an absolute fucking workhorse that deserves to play on the first line. I would absolutely love if Richardson would stop fucking with that first line and keep it Felino, Bedard, and Kurashev. Would absolutely love that. Continue. I'm sorry. I just needed to say that. No, and if you see those three guys playing together, right, a lot more of what would happen would be breaking out of your guys' zone and having Connor Bedard... And let's 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 throw the Rangers into the mix, okay? Okay. Whether it's Lingren, Fox, Miller, Truba, Gustafson, or Schneider, either one of those lines, okay? Let's pretend, for sake of argument, it's Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba, just because I think that they're our best defensive pairing, and I just want to put the best of what you got with with the best of what we got, just to see how much different it would be, because it kind of hammers in the point. You really you really hit it on the head with the lines being in a blender. That's killing you. That's that's crippling your guys' team. 100%. But, you, can't, you can't establish any sort of line chemistry if you keep blending them like that. Like, you can't. You ha- It's an 82-game season for a reason, and, and, and it's a long season. The chemistry will, will come up, whether it's at the deadline, whether it's at the all-star break, but chemistry will be there. You have to let it form on its own. You cannot force chemistry. So... You have, let's just say, like I said, Miller and Truba, okay? And yep. it's a night. You have the ability to exit your zone into neutral ice, right? With Connor Bedard already deep, because he he loves to play. Look, loves cherry picking. You hate you hate him when they do it against you, but that motherfucker's a cherry picker, bro. Sure, he's a cherry picking motherfucker. He's fast. He's works, quick. No one can stop yep. him. He's he gets too to fast. the he gets to the line. The puck gets to him. He's deep. 
and whether he can go off a, that one nasty toe drag wrister shot or he can just get deep enough to let your team get in. Now, you got your other two guys that get in there and help him out because it, it might not always be Connor Bedard scoring that goal because those are two good guys, right? They uh-huh. can get in deep. The point, the point of the matter is when that line is up, right, you're going to have to stack your best lineup against that. Your best, your best lineup that you have against that one sole Chicago Blackhawks line. So perfect example. Let's say it's the Holy Trinity, right? You got Sid the Kid, Malkin, Latang right there, right? So of course they're going to contest Sidney Crosby against Connor Bedard. You're going to get in there deep. So you're in there deep now. The problem that Chicago has, right, is you don't get to play that aggressively forward because the risk of it coming back. Now, you have a player like Keandre Miller as your defenseman who can get back fast, right? If a breakaway happens, you don't have to worry about it because Keandre can get there, get back there fast. Or if that same lineup is there, right, that same exact lineup is there, now you guys are pushed in your zone, lots of pressure. Jacob Truba is going to block a lot of those shots for you to eliminate the fact that a lot of things are not even going to see your goalie. Is is Igor Shosturkin the best goalie in the league? I think he's one of them, right? But another thing that, that makes him so good is the people that play in front of him. Are, are the goalies on your team so bad? It, it, it's to be seen with one of them, right? I think that you got to give one some slack, but you also got to say what defensive pairings are in front of him helping him out. So you're in your zone. You're trying to break out, but you can't. The pressure is high. You can't do shit. All right, you have Jacob Truba leading the league in block shots. You have Keandre Miller, who does what he does, and he does it well. And then you have Igor Shosturkin as your last line of defense, okay? So you can have the ability. My whole point of this entire thing is, right, Connor Bedard and the whoever you pair with him, which is hopefully that line that we just talked about, I really do hope it's that. I, I really do hope that it's fucking Kurashev and Felino, right? Yep. You can get as deep as you possibly want and, do, and work as hard as you want to work, knowing that Keandre Miller is able to get back fast. And God forbid there's a breakaway. God forbid there's an odd man rush, right? Igor Shosturkin is in your net defending you. How much more confidence does that give Connor Bedard to already do what he does? To give oh. Kurashev do what he already does? Felino to do what he already does? 100%, man. And and like one of the biggest problems that I'm at least that I'm seeing is that it, it almost feels like Connor kind of has plays like a little bit, I wouldn't say timid, but he definitely plays a little bit more conservative because he has to rush back and play defense because of the um, the inconsistencies of the defense and, and how the defense plays. And when they get stuck with odd man rushes or they get stuck on, um, you know, pinching too hard and now it's an odd man rush going the other way. Um you know, it's kind of hard because, you know, I, I won't I won't talk shit about Peter Morazic because the, the dude's been standing on his head. And but if you had, you know, Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba as your first line defense, I would feel almost I'd feel a little bit better having Arvid, you know, like not necessarily just having like Shisterkin in net, but like having Arvid Soderbaum in net. I'd feel a little bit better if those were my two if those were my two top defense playing on the same line as, you know, Felino Bedard and and Kurashev to let them play as a forward and not have to worry about so much as playing as a two-way forward, you know what I mean? So yeah. go ahead, sorry. No, and it's just another thing too just because I'm I'm thinking of all aspects right now, right? So this is just because it's it's just it's not like this in Chicago and this is something that 
you'd look for as a Rangers fan. You see it all the time, right? So it's it's your fourth line, which was you said Reichel, Gutman, and Johnson, right? Yeah. Um, so they're yeah. they're gr- they're grinding it out, right? They they really they really are just doing their absolute best, and they're being defended by Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox. Okay, that that's that's what's happening right now. Okay, you play the puck deep, right? You guys are going for a change. You guys change. Okay, whoever you're playing goes for their change. They got the puck behind the net. They're ready to come back into your zone. Okay, now they meet Connor Bedard in center ice because now the Rangers are running a one-three-one. So they meet Connor Bedard at center ice. If they can burn past Connor Bedard, they have to get through three defensemen or three three players, which at that time would be, and right right before the blue line entering your zone, basically you'd have Felino, Kurashev, and probably Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, right? I was about to say either him or Adam Fox. <laughs> so you'd have Ryan Lindgren and those two players from Chicago meeting you at the line, and if you happen to fire it deep and squeak through. That gives fucking Adam Fox a chance to just go back and get the puck, right? And he yep. can dump it back out. But guess what? Who is the guy who is closest to the other zone? Connor Bedard. Me, Connor Bedard. Exactly. Tip it out back to Connor Bedard. He gets it where it needs to be. Now you've established zone presence. You're already back in your zone, okay? And yeah. you have Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox at the blue line defending you, ready to get back if they need to. But now you're already deep with Bedard, Felino, Kurashev. You just got back there. You just changed. Everybody's fresh. You just got on the ice, and within ten seconds, you're already back in their zone. That's what the Rangers do. The one-three-one is another great strategy that they run all the time. It's like the standard for them, especially when they dump the puck and go for a change. That is the standard for them. It allows your best player, your fast player, who's in the front, to immediately get back in the zone. You have an awesome forecheck, right? You're getting deep. You're dumping the puck, but you're retrieving it. And then, instead of it being like a cherry pick from Connor Bedard, he's just easily back into the zone. He's still got all his energy. He does everything that he needs to do. And they can't exit your zone. They they, they can't exit their zone. Excuse me. They can't Mm -hmm. get out. They're stuck there. And just think, that's another thing the Rangers do. They establish zone presence and they stay there. So um, how how long is the ticking time bomb before he just Connor Bedard eventually just scores? If you shoot the puck and it goes around, but your guys retrieve it, you shoot the puck and your defense keeps it in. So many times that the puck should have cleared the zone, our D keeps it in and chips it back behind the net. Now it's like, fuck, it's a ticking time bomb because this kid's going to keep shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And one of the best shooters in the league, he doesn't just shoot the puck to shoot the puck like a lot of defensemen do. If he shoots the puck, he sees an opening. He sees a spot that he can go. It's usually yeah. pretty calculated. It's usually that toe drag close, but then top shelf because he yep. means to do it. So imagine if he was in the zone, didn't have to waste a lot of energy to get there, and he knows that the puck's not coming out. And God forbid that it does, right? Jonathan Quick is in the fucking net right now, ready to deal with whatever needs to happen, right? The yep. confidence that it would put on that guy, again, because I feel like it's too much work for such a young kid to have to do every single night. Play. You're, he, he's essentially Jack Hughes. You're playing 35 fucking minutes a night. You have to do everything. You cannot stretch as far. But it, at least Jersey knows how to play with each other. At least Jersey knows what they need to do, right? Jack well, Hughes yeah, doesn't the, have to work so hard to get in the zone as Connor Bedard does. How many times do you see Bedard at the line ready to enter the zone but has to come back because they can't even get him the puck? Right. Um, well, what I was going to say is that you know the difference between you know, Jersey and Chicago is that Jersey already kind of has that established. I don't know. I guess that, that established play to where they, you know, they're a playoff team. You know what I mean? But Chicago, yeah. like I said, is still, 
is still sure. learning everything, right? But well, the, the biggest difference between that is his jersey is a bunch of cocksuckers. And yeah, Chicago just needs to get there. Yeah, but <laughs> and eventually, eventually we'll be you know those cocksuckers again. But you know, but but here's my thing. I agree with literally everything that you said. Where you're you're giving Connor Bedard almost a, a chance to just play forward, just have fun, score goals, score fucking 150 goals. I don't care. We're giving you that opportunity, right? Now, so that's your first line, right? So you were saying like what, like uh, Truba and Miller on your first line? Uh, Truba and Miller would be your second defensive pairing. Okay. I just I use them as an example because that's the extreme. Keanu no, Miller can get back. Here's the thing that I've noticed with with New York's defense. <clears throat> with New York's defense, you can kind of, for at least with this Blackhawks roster, right? With this, um. This this 12 forwards that I gave you. I don't know if you remember them, but I'll go over them again if you don't remember them. But you can interchange. I huh? I got them. You said okay. Felino, Bedard, Kershev, Bavillier, Dickinson, Radish. What was it? Donato, Blackwell. Come on. Somebody, somebody else. And then you said Reichel, Gutman, Johnson. So I'm the pretty- only one that you missed was Mackenzie Whistle. There you go. Well, but, that's not that's not my fault. That's not my fault, though. I mean, come no, on. it's a team full of nobody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did pretty good. But uh, I will say you did fuck up, though, because Blackwell is not a center. He's a winger, but it's fine. I'll give it to you anyway. Whatever. That uh, center yeah, doesn't I, even matter anymore. We just talked about it. The center don't mean shit anymore. Center dude. don't mean shit anymore. You're just a glorified winger at that point. You're a winger that takes faceoffs. Like, yeah, there you go. That's what a center is. Exactly. Um, No, but like with this 12, with this 12 forward core... You can interchange any of New York's defense and like say that they didn't have that chemistry, right? That they have in New York, but they have the same level of play. That makes any sense. Oh yeah. All the time, all the time, dude. I'm sorry to interrupt, but all the time, my dad, my dad would say, you got to break up Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. It's like, why they do so well together. It's like, I know, but they're too good together. They're too good together. Spread the wealth along the other. Yeah. Spread the wealth somewhere else. Now we have an established core, but I mean, before it was like, you got to split them up. They're too good to play together. Let that spread across a couple lines, you know? Yeah. No, seriously. Like you could have, you could keep uh, Truba on your first line and pair him with someone like Adam. You almost the exact same setup on defense than you would if Keandre Miller were still on the first line. And Jacob Truba, he takes entry-level players or rookies, right? And he teaches them the game. If you put a defenseman on the same line as Jacob Truba, that guy's going to become a top-caliber defenseman. It's been For proven. Sure. Keandre Miller was a nobody. He came in here as, you know, from a Hartford entry-level deal. Then, look, he never went down because he learned. Then he established his own game that's completely different than anyone else in the league, I would say. The way he does things, maybe I'm stroking him. I love the guy, so I don't mind stroking him. But <laughs> now he's got his own play, but he learned the basics from Jacob Truba. He's a hard-nosed right. player. He doesn't fight often, but damn, he gets back and he uses his strength and speed. Like I said, he's that he's the dude who, on a breakaway against Philly, got tripped, stood back up, scored the goal, skated over to the boards, and did the the Michael Jordan like shrug, like yeah, I guess I just scored a goal, right? Oh, like that's the that. kind of that's the kind of shit that he does. Um, yeah. So like, like what I was saying though is you could you could you you could spread that wealth throughout the entire defensive core with this 12 Blackhawks players that I gave you. And you would have that exact same setup as a one, three, one and still be unreal. 
and still have like the like at the top of the top almost. It's true. Uh, um, it's true. And you know what's crazy is like I would even go as far as saying like if you only gave us three defensemen, right? So say like Keandre Miller, uh Lindgren was another one, right? Correct. Think? Yeah, okay, you got like, Lindgren, Keandre Miller, um, Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, which I'm sure are probably the ones that you'd want to take. I, I honestly I, I would take Keandre Miller, Lindgren, and Fox and give you Isaac Phillips, uh, Louis Crevier, and Nikita Zaitsev, and we would have probably an even-matched um, defensive core. Sure, because you, you're, keep, you're keeping me Jacob Trubu is going to turn all those guys into top defensemen, right? And right. then I'm giving you guys that learned from Jacob Truba. Learn, exactly. No, and, that was 100%. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that was 100% the thought process I had. So you have guys who have already who are already either are or on the right track to become that next level defenseman. Now, uh, kind of mentoring and 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 using their 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 uh, their no quit mentality, and now they're morphing Kevin Korchinski, Jacob Tenor, uh, yeah, uh, Jared Tenorti, and and Connor Murphy, and almost forming them into being like another Jacob Truba. They will never be another Jacob Truba, but you can still definitely have the same mentality as Jacob Truba and that same hard nose, I'm going to fuck you up if you fuck with any of my players and I'm going to fucking, I'm, like, I'm going to lead the team in assists and maybe top three in goals. It, 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 if, you know, and, and that just, not to sound long-winded or anything, but it, we could literally split our defensive core in half and still come out with an even matched defensive core. Um, and, and I think that would be a night and day difference for the Blackhawks night and fucking day. I think the, I think the Rangers might stay the same, but it'd be a night and day difference. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, man. It, it's, it's just the, the fact that we've been there doing what we've been doing and we've established who we are as a team has put us on the right track for hopefully many years to come, at least for this season, you know. For sure. Again, Chicago just isn't there yet. But I think, again, the looming problems always come down to the fact that, yes, they need more time. But, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, bro. It's it, the fact that you keep putting your guys in a fucking blender. It is, it, it's yep. not, it's not, it's not going to work out for you. But, I, like, <clears throat> if you took the skill of some of your players, right? Now we're going way left field here, right? If you took some of your guys, some of them can play anywhere to do anything. If, let's just say, we lived in a crazy, crazy world with the fucking two organizations just morphed together, right? If you put Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Connor Bedard on the same line, it would be lights out disgusting, okay? Because they're fast, they can get Bedard the puck, Bedard can get Mika and Kreider the puck, and it would be, you know, just... So fast, so strong. I think that the problem is, is you have some players that don't have confidence in in, in your Chicago Blackhawks organization, and they're not going to ever gain any confidence moving up and down the lineup. Like if you're a fourth liner, own that you're a fourth liner. It doesn't mean that you're bad, but if you're rolling up and down, you go from the second to the third to the fourth or whatever. Even the fact that fuck the lines, fuck what number line you're on. The fact that you're not playing with the same guy every night's got to get to your head. 
It's got to fuck you up. It's got to ruin whatever chemistry you had rolling. And like I said, poor Connor Bedard is going to have to be the one at the top of that. That's why I think, again, you can say what you want to say, but I do think that he's going to end up being the next captain just because of how prolific he is. No one's going to want to see anybody else wearing a C other than Connor Bedard. No. And and, and I understand why, but... I, I feel like that that unfortunately that that seniority is going to have to come into play. So it's either going to be Felino for at least three years, or it's going to be Connor Murphy, and they're going to sign him to a massive extension just based on seniority alone. Uh, I would love to see Connor Bedard wear the C, but I just don't think he's there yet. You know, do you even I, hand out A's in Chicago? Like, do you even yeah. s- hand out alternate like captains? Yeah, give him an A. But does anybody hold them now? Uh, who are your alternate captains now? Do you even have any alternate captains? Yeah, I think uh, Murph has one. Connor Murphy has one. I think Felino has one. And there was another one. I can't. I can't remember. I think. I think Donato has one. I think we have four, but I don't know who they are. That's a that's, terrible thing for me to say. Yeah, again, but that that's to my, that's that's kind of to my point exactly. It's like. Captain's usually the face. Captain is usually the guy. And yes, sometimes it's seniority. But I mean, it doesn't always be seniority. Because if you're going to go seniority, then Chris Kreider would have had that C. They would have given it to Chris Kreider. I mean, he's going to go down as probably one of the best Rangers of all time. Just because it's longevity and the fact that he still contributes the way that he does. So you could have made a case. I thought he was going to be the captain. You can make a case. When they made a Jacob Truba, I was actually shocked. I was stunned. I was like, how, how did they make him check? But again, what he does off the ice and what he does for the organization that we don't see... That's why they made him the captain. Again, if you want to put your best foot forward, if you want to live a life where this team is going to move forward with Connor as the the leader in in a lot of ways, I think that throwing a C on him doubles that down. Again, is it going to piss off some other guys on the team? Maybe it might, right? Maybe it might, but those guys might want to leave. Those guys might want to get out of there. And again, you can rebuild the team underneath Connor Bedard because what do you got to lose now? You got nothing mm-hmm. to fucking lose. If you got veterans that want to leave, whatever. We all know that it's about going to Rockford and pulling those guys up and, and literally developing them into what you need. It's not about grabbing fucking veterans and shit. It's not about that anymore. It's about developing the the prospects that can actually get there for cheap, so you can afford to do these things later on down the line. You can afford to re-sign Connor Bedard later when his contract comes up. You can afford to get a good goalie and pay for him, or at least a solid backup if one of your goalies is doing well, and have that you know. Those goalies in the back. You can afford to pick up, you know, Louis Domingue, or you could have afforded to grab Alexander Georgiev and let him be your goalie. Like, that's what you need. A goalie that's locked in, make Connor the C. Anybody who wants to leave, let him leave. Open up cap space and just work it out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of kids that are coming up that are young guys that want to play with Connor Bedard, and they're going to work hard to make that happen. Again, you got nothing else to lose. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, hey, just so you know, um, as of right now, the Hawks name Seth Jones, Connor Bedard, and Nick Felino as an alternate captain with Seth Jones and Connor Be- Connor Murphy. Did I say Connor Bedard earlier? Yes, you did. My bad. No, Connor Murphy as permanent alternate captains. And then it was Nick Felino for sure has one and Corey Perry had one. But obviously we know how that one ended. Um Yeah, I uh I'm just I, I don't know where to sit right now for for the Hawks and and what the future holds. Um, I would say I, I don't I don't really think Bedard should have the C yet. 
I'd say give him at least another year. I mean, granted, no one's going to wear the C for the rest of the year, just out of respect for Taze. But I don't know, man. Maybe give him an A next year. Give him an alternate next year. I'm I'm believing that it's it's um you're already going to go through a multi-year um strenuous shit needs to happen type of situation rebuild for Chicago. Why waste any more time? I mean, du- double down, lock in what you ha- what you believe to be the future. If Connor Bedard is your future, give him the C now. I get he's a kid. I get he's 18 years old. I understand that, right? And a lot of people are going to say th- some things about him because he's getting the C that he's undeserving. But if you want to look at who's working, if you want to look who's contributing, if you want to look at who's doing what's right, yes, maybe giving it to him the second season is a little too quick. But I don't think anybody else on the team deserves it either. So it's well, either Tate's name him captain next year or wait. Tay's got it his second year. Yeah. I'm, like I said, it's not impossible. It's not that it can happen. But again, if he's the face of your organization across the – if he's going to be winning you know, Calder and he's going to be doing all these things right early, like, okay, double down on that. Like, okay, this is who you are, then be that. Yeah, but Lock he doesn't care about that shit though. No, he, he doesn't. Just, he really doesn't. He just wants to go out and play meaningful hockey games. He doesn't give a shit about wearing a C or an A. He just understand. wants to go out there and play the game that Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard knows how to play and be be a top goal scorer, be a top contributor. And he just he's like he is the team's team guy. Like isn't he, isn't that who you want to be your captain? That's who you want to be in the face of the organization, sure. I don't know, man. I think I feel like there's just there's too much shit behind the captaincy politics almost i feel almost feel like there's too much politics behind it like if you don't give it to someone who's been on the team for x amount of years it almost feels like you're snubbing them and then it creates the almost like and then it creates the rumor mill and then creates the the unnecessary locker room drama and then you know next thing you know that guy who's been on your team for almost 10 years now demands a trade because he wants to go somewhere where he's valued you know i i I love okay, so we let's bring it back to like Blake Wheeler real quick. Yeah. But you know, was was a captain on on Winnipeg for how long? Long time. And, a long time. And then goes to New York where they're not gonna rip the C off a of Truba's chest and give it to Wheeler. And you know, and Wheeler settled into the to the Rangers organization almost effortlessly and didn't give two fucks about wearing the C. That's how I think Connor Bedard is. He doesn't give two shits about wearing any sort of captaincy. He just cares about winning games and playing games to the best of his ability and being better than he was the night before. I will say that him getting the C does break my fundamental number one rule in hockey about captains and that your captain needs to be able to fight. I agree. Your captain has to fucking drop gloves when needed. That's why I think Polino's going to get it next year. If they sign, if they ink him for more than, uh, like what like maybe two or three more years that they if they extend him he's getting the c keep an eye out for that in the summer if you see a contract extension from nick felino in the summer he's getting the captaincy next year it's happening and i'm saying that as shocking as it would be to sign a second year rookie then sophomore year to be your captain uh it wouldn't surprise me okay let's put it this way i'm gonna i'm gonna just say this if Connor Bedard gets the captaincy his sophomore year in the league, I will get a Connor Bedard tattoo. Let me put it this way. You're going to need to get a fucking jersey because it's going to have a C on it, bro. I already have one. 
but you're going to have to get another jersey because it I'll has get a C, C on it. Okay. I'll get a C and I'll stitch it on the, my fucking Bedard jersey. You get a, a hot patch and we'll iron it on. There we go.